Can we talk about sex on other psychedelics? Yeah. Ayahuasca. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, baby. Let me purge. (laughs) (laughs) The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. Sexy Psilocybin Says episode. Yes, this one is perfect for this Valentine's Day week. And every other week, really. True. Since humans don't (laughs) have a mating season. It's only on Valentine's Day that we mate. (laughs) We're talking about sex and psychedelics thanks to a wonderful listener who submitted an excellent question, which just had us uh, exploring for a full hour. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. It's a uh, delicate topic that we just dive right into, and I think you're going to get a lot of this conversation. It it goes a little bit off... uh, off on a tangent, but a very valuable tangent, and then it circles back. Yeah, <laughs> so stay tuned till the end yeah. because it gets for real super juicy Courtney's towards the wisdom. end. <laughs> and yours, thanks to yours, I you know bring it back, oh. circle back. So we're we're working as a team on this one. Indeed. Uh, so if you enjoy the episode, please do like it. If you're watching on YouTube, comment. Let us know what you think. What are your experiences with sex and psychedelics? Uh, and energy movement too. You'll see yeah. when you listen to the episode. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, definitely leave us a review. It helps so much. Yoga teachers, don't be mad. I was just, it's just, just don't hate. I'm not hate. It came out wrong. Yeah, okay, was, that's yeah, all we'll say right wrong. now. So, <laughs> all right, enjoy this episode. All right, talking about that thing once again. All right, and this is not because Courtney and I wanted to talk about sex on psychedelics it's because we had a listener right in with a question and in perfect timing because it's valentine's day time wow so thank you so much for this question melody beloved listener uh should we say your name it's pretty i cut that out (laughs) what I guess it's fine. It's just her first name. Exactly. I don't know. She's listening to the podcast out loud and, you know, in her house and stuff. Okay. Anyway. We can respond to her email and let her know it's coming out in this episode. Yeah. Okay. I already did. Okay. Read the question. (laughs) Read it. All right. This is a good one. So Melody asks, what about sexual drive with mushrooms? Why does my husband literally want to fuck the shit out of me every single trip? Every trip, exactly the same for him. (laughs) Complete sexual maniac. I don't want anything to do with sex when I trip, and I'm normally very sexual. Therefore, we rarely trip together because he gets frustrated when I don't want to mess around. It's a problem, LOL. But I genuinely don't understand why it affects him so much physically. Very little... Very little emotionally because, besides just love, of course. Mm. So when she says, fuck the shit out of me, do you think she means anal? Wow, that's 
taking it to another level. We're, we're I wasn't gonna, prepared we're for just it. We're just going to go there, y'all. This is uh, who knows where this conversation is going to go. We talked a little bit to prep for it about some of our personal experiences and history, but there's a lot here. There's a lot here for us. We've been together for almost 10 years now yeah. and have been eating psychedelics together ever since. So we got a lot of uh, dirty deets. Yeah, we have a lot of a lot of loving. Yeah. So, I mean, Melody's question is kind of there's there's many facets to it because there's more questions in order to mm -hmm. answer the question. Yeah. Like first thing that comes to my mind is, oh my gosh, sex on mushrooms. Can't personally imagine it. No. However, I know. That there are there is a select portion of the population that loves that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so but I do wonder like what's his dose when this happens? Like how how much right. mushroom consumption is there and what's your dose when this is happening? Uh that would be my first question. Yeah. Dose is the first thing I'm thinking about because even a microdose or like that one church service here at the house where we did like a quarter of a gram and I was like on the floor in cold chills mm. for like 30 minutes. There ain't no, ain't no sex. Ain't not, no having sex then, no. Not sexy time. And that was even a, and that was a low, low dose. Like 0.25 or yeah, something. Yeah, so even kicking it up even higher, there is, for me, it's a hard pass. It's like, it's like looking at like, I don't know, like a, a raw steak or something. I'm just like, you want me to do what with what? That what? You want me to eat that? You want me to touch what? What? Uh, yeah, when you don't even know like what your hands are or how to get water or like make it to the bathroom, it's right. uh, that's a toughie to imagine. Yeah, but you know, you've experienced in Jamaica some people who mm. yeah, there was a. <laughs> let's 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 hold off on that one because I'm gonna I want to ease into that one. That was one of the weirdest. Okay. Like how many times? How many weirdest nights of your life can you have? But that was a very weird fucking night. A lot if you're a uh, mushroom minister. Yeah, I guess the only uh, personal experience that I've had with sex on mushrooms was when I was like 22 or so, very young, and took like a three gram dose or something like that. Uh, with my ex-wife, and I, I don't remember if she took mushrooms or not. I think she didn't because um, she had a lot of latent trauma, and I didn't know what I was doing back then, and some of that stuff came out in her early trips, and it kind of freaked us both out. And so I think she staved off mushrooms after that entirely. Um, but there was one time when I was on mushrooms, for sure I was, and she was pretty insistent on doing the deed and... You know, I try to be accommodating. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, That's admirable. Whew, it was difficult. I mean, I, I like, uh, you know, I persisted. Uh, but I was definitely not an active participant. And it was just weird. It just felt weird, weird, weird. Uh, so, you know, my personal thing, mushrooms, is, a, is a no. And what I want to touch on from that question is that she also said that there is no emotional content coming up except for love. And for me, that kind of begs the question if maybe there is some, some stuff that's being avoided 
you know, uh, because and you can't. Hey, if you eat mushrooms more than a handful of times, I can't imagine that you're just always going to experience love and sex, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you are kind of if there's unless there's something that's kind of stuck emotionally stuck, uh, unprocessed. And while I am generally not the uh, the guy to talk to about chakras. Uh, it, it does beg the question of me if in in that kind of sacral lower region, if maybe there is some kind of energetic block uh, that the mushrooms are kind of pumping energy into or uh, uh, kind of accentuating the energy that's there. You know, it's psychedelic, again, mind manifesting, spirit manifesting. So there's something there to be aware of and I think you said before we got started recording that this is probably a scenario that would really benefit from a intentionally facilitated yeah Mm -hmm. yeah something stood out to me about what she said besides well I guess a lot stood out to me about it Mm -hmm. but one thing was that they she said they can't even eat mushrooms Mm -hmm. together anymore Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because of how frustrated he gets that she doesn't want to participate in sexual activity mm-hmm. with him with the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And like for me, that again, with the whole manifestation in a psychedelic experience of what's already going on in our lives, and this is one reason why, as in a partnership, mm. intentionally uh, communing with plant medicine and psychedelics together Mm -hmm. can be so powerful and beneficial Mm -hmm. if there's integration uh, worked into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, yeah, like I wonder what, is this just kind of like a manifestation of what's already going on Mm -hmm. somewhere somewhere else in your life? Um, I don't know, just worth like talking about it. Let me talk about my own um, challenges around this topic. Having experienced times in my life when without psychedelics or any substances, finding myself very frustrated at not having sex, you know, um, I can look back at that now and acknowledge that the frustration was born out of an, a, mm, gosh, how do I pin this down? Out of not being settled within myself, not being um, accepting, not being able to be grateful for what I had, you know, like, you know, I'm talked a bit about this, you know, especially through experiences with pornography. And that's another question I would be really curious to ask uh, Melody is, is, you know, if her husband has uh, any kind of a porn habit, but you know there have been times in my life when we were very sexual and yet if we didn't have sex i would get very frustrated mm-hmm. even if we just did the day before or whatever and you know there were there were multiple i think issues that were underlying that but ultimately it arose out of not being grateful 
in the moment, not being present. And I was thinking about this last night, how, or yesterday, whatever, I was thinking how I can look back now on sexual experiences with like a fondness, whereas previously I have looked back on those experiences with frustration. Like, why isn't this happening still, right? Like, why aren't we having sex right now or are we going to have sex today? And I suspect that there's more going on here than just a response to the mushrooms. I suspect that there is, and it's not a criticism, um, but, you know, probably more at, at play here than just a increased libido through mushrooms. I mean, for one, the vast majority of people, the vast majority of people are completely <laughs> uh, opposed to sex on a mushroom trip. And if this is the, if frustration is the main emotion that's coming out of this encounter rather than just a, you know, loving acceptance of things as they are, at least in my experience, that was from an unhealed internal conflict. Yeah. So, so that would be what, like, my response would be is like, where, else is this showing up for you mm. this feeling and even if it's not in us in terms of the sex category of y'all's lives day to day like where else might this be showing up this feeling mm. uh so yeah yeah, yeah no it's a, i'm really grateful for this question um it's not one that comes up a lot mm -hmm. and love listeners writing in questions. We've got several more on deck that we want to keep coming back to. Uh, so please feel free to send us a message, particularly on Instagram. It's probably the best way to get a hold of us and send a message through or emailing at says at Gmail. Um, but yeah, I, it really would take a more complete conversation with these two individuals to get to the deep, deeper into it. Yeah. Our more than integration coaches at Sanctuary do... Do couples coaching yeah. and have yeah. couples packages. So something to consider. Yeah. Can we talk about sex on other psychedelics? Yeah. Ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, baby. Let me purge. <laughs> oh, it's coming out the other end now. Oh. Yeah. I cannot Yikes. imagine. Don't even want to. It's, I mean, yeah, no. I, I, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's people out there who oh, love certainly. sex on ayahuasca. Surely, yeah. And I don't know much about microdosing ayahuasca, but I know that's a thing mm -hmm. now. So not sure what the effects yeah. of that are really. But I, I, for me, that's just like a, ain't even going there. Not even close. Yeah, I mean, there's something really important we need to touch on, which is consent. And mm -hmm. like even Melody's question, like. That's such a sensitive mm -hmm. engaging in psychedelics with ourselves and other people is such a vulnerable, sensitive experience. And even being like close to someone, mm -hmm. like as in like within six feet of somebody mm -hmm. can be really intense, let alone experiencing someone who wants to touch you. Mm -hmm 
can be really hard to even communicate that that's not wanted because it's so hard to find words mm. oftentimes with psychedelics. So this is such an important thing to talk about. Like even if you're married mm-hmm. with, to somebody, you've been in a long-term relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. like everybody needs to know <laughs> that it is hard to communicate mm-hmm. and consent to mm-hmm. an experience like that, really. Um, yeah, no, it's really important. To in consider. the peak of a psychedelic experience. And, I mean, throughout the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. throughout the whole thing, but, like, yeah, yeah just... You know, I had this one experience in Jamaica that you reminded me of where there was, um, you know, a group of people that didn't, nobody knew each other coming into the thing. And one of the individuals, as the trip was coming on, a male went to a female as the trip was coming on and said, I really have deep feelings for you. I want I want us to have a relationship and was very... Um, kind of, I wouldn't say pushy necessarily, but it was inappropriate. Wrong, wrong place, wrong time, and it threw her for a serious loop. I mean, she didn't say anything to me until after the uh, session was pretty much over. Pretty much everybody was gone back to their room uh, or eating and whatnot. And a facilitator, a female facilitator came and said, hey, can, I, can you come be a part of this conversation? I said, yeah, sure, what's up? So and she was telling me, like, so-and-so came to me right before the trip and said they, you know, were in love with me and they wanted to have a relationship and all this. And it, it, she felt violated. Um, and, you know, that's a whole, that, that, that topic of communicating deeply personal information whether it involves, you know, love interest or not, uh, as a mushroom trip is coming on with someone is really to be approached with serious caution. You know, one of the things I try to always impress upon our ministers and clerics is that everything, every word said, every sound, every the the grass, the plants, the sky, the people, everything is an influencing factor. And we should really, out of respect for the the sensitivity, the vulnerability, uh, the confusion of these spaces, we should really, I believe, do everything we can to be to have as little of an impact on the people around us as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit of a dance there, but you know especially in terms of physical sovereignty and, and, you know, God, we just live in such a hypersexualized world um, where women are still so horribly objectified that even the most innocent comment could send someone off completely railing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just one reason why we include the, uh, mini 101 space holding course mm-hmm. in our myself mm-hmm. minister program for those who might be in the physical vicinity of someone having a mushroom communion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and while it's a big part of our code of ethics is talking about, yeah. you know, just not necessarily sexuality, but relationships in the sacrament space, you know, um, big, big topic, a lot to explore there before we get into of that aspect, the boundary dissolution and the bonding that occurs. 
LSD is not necessarily incompatible with sexuality for me anyway. Um, I'm thinking of Mm -hmm. the time in Jamaica when we did acid on the Uh. beach. It was so crazy. We did smell LSD and... We ended up, we're like on the beach, like remember we were slopping wet sand on each other and then we're like rubbing it on our legs and it just like very quickly was like, oh my gosh, this is so sensual. And like, yeah. and then we had to, then we stopped ourselves. We're like, hold on, we're in public, we're on the beach. Yeah, and was... then we looked over and there was a Jamaican couple having sex over in the bushes. Probably without psychedelics. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Probably a lot of alcohol. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, I mean, gosh, that is LSD. Is I don't know if we could have actually like, really gone there that's, fully. That's kind of what I was trying to, like, how do I say, like, it, it felt very sexual, but... But the penetration and like actually like sexual activity. I think I could have done it. I don't know. I think I could have swung it then, but swung it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how long I could have maintained. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It probably. It might not have been very long. I don't know. But it definitely felt very orgasmic mm-hmm. and like. You know, if we're going to use the term chakra, like chakra is just like being cleared out and opened up, like oof, all over. Well, I think it's worth noting the difference between sensuality and sexuality as well, right? Like just because something is sensual doesn't mean it has to be sexual. And there is, there can be great enjoyment uh, value in just. That sensuality is what it's one of the things I like most about MDMA. I mean, MDMA is not a classic hallucinogen, it's not a true psychedelic, but it's often lumped in that category. Uh, yeah, and it's a highly sensual experience. But to actually try and have sex, at least for the man, uh, what do they call it? Stem or what does Emilio? I've heard Emilio call it <laughs> stem dick, stimulant. Stim? Stim dick. Yeah. Wow. If you're stimulants, because of stimulants, you can't get an erection. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, or, you know, here in Kentucky, they talk about whiskey dick. Drink too much whiskey and you can't get it up. Right. Yeah, there's that. Um, so anyway, I mean, just I, I have really, that's one of the things that MDMA and even that LSD experience have taught me is how to separate sensuality from the act of sexuality and the value of sensuality itself. And I know that I even, I've brought that into our lives where I can appreciate much more just like being sensual without it having to lead to sexuality. Right. And we didn't really touch on this with mushrooms, but the experience like following uh, a mushroom communion can be a really powerful time for people who are already in like a committed relationship mm-hmm. to explore each other in that in that sensual way. For sure. Um, for sure. Are you looking for a community that allows you to authentically express and explore what it means to be human? One that honors the divinity within you and all life? Then Sanctuary may be just the community you have been looking for. 
Sanctuary is a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. You are invited to become a member and commune with us. Join us for a Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit psanctuary.org to become a member and find more information. Um, yeah, no, that's I definitely want to talk about that because the bonding that can happen you know, after the peak of an experience is can be really valuable for couples. Uh, it can be valuable as well for maybe people who are dating, you know, but haven't been intimate, but that's, it gets into murky waters in terms of consent. And that's where, you know, you want to be as clear as possible. And it's diff- I think it's, it can be difficult and especially a topic that we don't really talk about enough in our culture, Yeah, you know, um, yeah. but where I have, I have seen issues with this particularly on the retreats, and it's not been a lot, um, but I've seen it where, you know, maybe someone is, maybe it's two single people or maybe it's someone that's in a uh, relationship that's really maybe not doing that well and they have these powerful bonding experiences with someone else and then it gets interpreted as uh, sexual desire or mm-hmm. that that's kind of the next step. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think especially if it's strangers, if you if you're just meeting, you want to be really, really mindful and careful mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, safe I, to say, like, from my perspective, unless you are experienced in that space, like, for me, if I meet somebody and we're having a mushroom communion together, say, and or we're like, if I just meet somebody, if I'm like in a relationship, if I'm dating somebody, mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. and we have a mushroom communion together. Like I'm a, at this point in my life with all that I know now and have learned now and experiences, I'm a hard no on sex, like immediately following on the same day as a mushroom yeah. communion. Get some sleep, wake <laughs> up the next day, see yeah, how you feel. Right. It's still there. All right. Exactly. <laughs> but when we're still in like that yeah. mushroom space, no, that's not, yeah, it's just yeah. it's too it's too challenging to communicate during that time. So if you're just getting to know somebody and the experience is new together, safe to wait. I've seen it cause real turmoil in relationships where say someone was maybe in a rough spot with their spouse, they met someone on a retreat, they felt this bond and this kind of infatuation, and then they go home and they can't stop thinking about that person who was on the retreat or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh so there's real cause for pause and all this and to to be take it slow. Yeah, and but, then there's the whole like protection piece mm. and birth control mm-hmm. and all that, which which is pretty hard to navigate when you're tripping mm-hmm. as well. I'm still so. just blown away, ladies. Men, please for God's sake, I am I am utterly blown away, and this is a bit off topic, maybe, but how many stories I've heard from women about men that like ejaculated inside of them without permission, without asking, without conversation. What the fuck, guys? Stop. Control yourself. 
the, that, that you are willing to have that kind of an impact on somebody's life without any thought is absolutely baffling. So, bit of a side note, but maybe falls under the uh, yeah. category of protection I and mean, contraception. I like to think you're preaching to the choir here, but it's, you know. I've, I've been it is shocking. astounded at the stories that I've heard from particularly your friends who have shared their experiences. I'm just like, what? Yeah, it's really completely unacceptable. Unacceptable. Um, completely Absolutely unacceptable. unacceptable. There's, if you are somebody who really struggles with pulling out before getting consent, um, you might check out, like, there's tantric practices <laughs> to help you. I mean, seriously, you like, no, yeah, for real. It, it is like a, a matter of training, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, is one thing. Mm -hmm. um, so you can practice um, yeah, controlling that. The impetus for that training, I believe, should come from a respect for the life of the person that you're being intimate with. Yeah. I mean, we know a number of women who are, you know, taking care of children now that were just completely irresponsibly brought into this world. So anyway, it's a big tangent. Not on psychedelics. Not on psychedelics, but, but still. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, sorry. Note. We'll make that take, into a take short. an opportunity to make a PSA about all my homies out there that are just, what the fucking? So anyway, <laughs> so back to MDMA. <laughs> back, back to the bonding. I was thinking back to the bonding, not the bondage, but the bonding. Oh, okay, uh, that's right. Because I mean, I think that's something that I know anyway. Uh, that that is a part of the psychedelic experience that is not being talked about enough. And this is something that I have wanted to bring up for a while around the topic. You know. Um, Gosh, how far to go with this, you know? Uh, because well, well, try it out. well, what I'm what I'm thinking about, we were in a very unique situation in Jamaica with the opportunity to see how small groups of people relate when they are uh, in close community and are regularly using psychedelics. And I think I can say that we saw uh, bonds form and behaviors that would not have happened had the mushrooms not been a part of the equation. Mm -hmm. I'm specifically thinking about the massive age gap between two employees that ended up, you know, getting down on the reg. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason I bring this up is because it's going to be, it's going to be an issue as psychedelics become more mainstream. Mm -hmm. It's, I believe it's going to be very challenging, uh, particularly because we don't have a, healthy framework to discuss this topic for the most part in our culture. It's going to be really challenging to navigate these conversations and these relationships as we have more and more people who are working together intimately and are regularly consuming psychedelics together, right? Mm -hmm. 
And then what do you do when those inevitable bonds form and people start to gravitate and it gets more and more difficult to um, you know, maintain that self-control? So I don't know how much you want to talk about that uh, and what your thoughts are on that, but in terms of psychedelic sexuality, I, I suspect this is going to be a growing mm, challenge. Yeah, I mean, that's... You brought up our code of ethics earlier with sanctuary, mm -hmm. and that's a major consideration within that code of ethics is having seen that whole process unfold uh, for people living in community mm -hmm. and having these powerful transformative transformative experiences together and um seeing others like being a being a team and almost like a family mm -hmm. um helping others have these powerful transformative experiences and which just require a lot of vulnerability and opening mm -hmm. up together and it i think is completely ridiculous and it's just absurd to say that people in a community like that can't have relationships together yeah, for sure. like at all for like sure. the abstinence policy doesn't work not only in does this it not framework work, is it encourages the opposite behavior yeah it encourages hiding and secrecy uh which nobody wants here yeah. um so yeah, with our code of ethics, there's like a very considerate approach to that whole scenario. Um, being a faith-based community, a spiritual community, it's already really important for us. Like with Sanctuary, this thing is, we're building it for generations to come. This isn't just us like for the next five to 10 to years. <laughs> yeah, this is like <laughs> our children and grandchildren and their grandchildren and building something sustainable and starting to piece together a framework for that mm -hmm. and living in community. And that's really like the goal sooner than later to be building that. So yeah, we have like suggested timelines and methods of communication and talking it out um, when we're speaking of our uh, clerics and ministers and people who are holding space for our community members, uh, which we are gathering together regularly mm -hmm. every single week, sometimes multiple times a week in the local community in Kentucky. And that's just going to grow around the country. So this is like people seeing each other regularly for years and years and years and years. So vulnerable. Yeah. And like, God, I hope, I mean, I will be, you've already performed three weddings mm -hmm. and I would be so overjoyed. I will be so overjoyed seeing our members come together in love and mm -hmm. like intention in relationship. Yeah. And so we want that to happen mindfully and intentionally um, where everybody is being considered and respected. And there's, of course, consent is wrapped all up in that mm -hmm. uh, and mindfulness. So, But it can't happen without conversation. I mean, that's, you know, one of the big takeaways from, from that experience down there is that, again, when people aren't allowed to 
openly discuss how they're feeling, then those feelings just fester and grow and become uncontainable. And so Sanctuary, I, don't, I, just, I just feel so privileged to have the experiences that we've had because we have so much insight into how this is going to look as time goes on. And, you know, some people really value this uh, information, this conversation. Some people maintain that abstinence mentality and that, you know, uh, what's it called? Not nepotism. What's it called? What's it called when coworkers mingle? No, no. Sorry, it's not coming to me right now. Fraternizing or something like that. Um, It's just impossible. It happens in almost every office and almost every professional organization. So you throw in boundary dissolving substances and it's going to happen even more. Yeah. So I mean, we, if we look at like, let's just take a look at the Mazatec people. Like what's their stance on mushroom consumption and sex and relationships? Well, this is a and, really interesting and, the, and I don't know a lot about it. I do. My understanding is that within the Mazatec tradition, it was maintained and still is that you are you should not have sex three days before and three days after a mushroom ceremony. Uh, and the traditional knowledge or teaching around that is that if you do, then you will lose a lot of the healing that would come. Now, what my experience has been, especially after studying some of these tantric practices and Montak Chia's work, um, is that it really is more about the energy, maintaining your level of energy. Um, it's hard for most people, I think, to really conceive of. So I, maybe like their Mazatec people would be saying like, ejaculation or releasing the energy orgasmic out. energy because yeah. because you'll find this in many many cultures that sexual energy is the energy that is used for healing right transmuting sexual energy which is the most powerful creative life-giving energy that there is it is the energy that creates worlds it's all around us, the plants, everything around us is a product of union. And to be able to take that energy and consciously apply it to, to healing, transmute it, is very real and very powerful. Uh, and then after the experience, uh, if you maintain that energy within your, your system. After what experience? The mushroom experience. Okay. All right. So, so like you know, going into an experience, and I've I've have God so much I could say on this, but you know, once I started to understand this from my own experience, and I would communicate it with facilitators, particularly male facilitators, because I wasn't going to talk with female facilitators about their orgasm, but yeah, I felt more comfortable. Good, good to know. <laughs> I felt more, I felt more comfortable talking with it about. Uh, with men that I had, you know, grown comfortable and familiar with. Uh, and there is a massively noticeable difference in your energetic field if you 
you know, hold that orgasmic energy. Um, and even, even within the Taoist practices, three to four days kind of tends to be like the baseline of getting to your um, kind of normal level of energy, right? And so I've not, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I feel like, like it's, it's challenging to talk about publicly because we know that there's just huge amounts of Mm. of stigma around even talking about sex in general. And I don't really give a shit what anybody thinks about me well, in terms okay. of stigma. It's more like we don't have a lot of context for this. We don't understand yeah. it. In, in our world, we do, in the West in particular, we are materialists. We do not understand ourselves as energetic beings well, first and that's foremost. That's what I was getting at. Okay. And then you cut me off. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So I'm like that, like the stigma around like religious guilt and shame around sex, like is one thing. It Mm. makes it really hard to talk about, to even try and like wrap our heads around like what that even means, sexual energy, Mm -hmm. because like for most people and even like including myself, despite all the conversations and that have been intentional that we've had around sexual energy. And mm-hmm. like, I still like catch myself hearing that and thinking of it in, in a materialistic way, like in an objectifying way, mm-hmm. instead of like a um, foundational life giving way mm-hmm. because of my, my, um, not training, but like programming. my programming around sex and what it has to look like and feel like and that experience and that there's so much reprogramming I have done and have yet to do. So I'm just pointing that out mm-hmm. for people listening that mm-hmm. it's totally understandable. Like if you hear that term sexual energy and you're like, what the fuck is he talking mm-hmm. about right now? Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't been immersed in becoming aware of your own programming around this, mm-hmm. it can come off, I think, as sounding pretty, uh, it can come off as sounding objectifying for people that mm. aren't thinking of sexual energy in terms of a life-giving mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly when we're talking about it with psychedelics involved and in like uh, the whole thing of like, even bringing it into a conversation around holding space with people mm-hmm. can, I can definitely see that being pretty oh, yeah. confusing. Like, what is he talking about right now? A lot of people, <laughs> what is a lot he of people about will to say? not even touch it. I just, yeah. I, you know, the visual that I get my, of myself and through the experiences that I've had is the, the, like we are in a bubble, you know, like this auric field, this Taurus field of energy, uh, and whatever you can dis- discredit it or all you, whatever you want to think about it. I've experienced it too many times, uh, and we may not have instruments that can measure it super accurately. But these are the traditions that are maintained for thousands of years in very old and wise cultures, and they're experiences that I had without being exposed to the information that we are all of us surrounded by a bubble of electromagnetic energy that emanates 
first and foremost from our heart, but you know, this this whole column of energy that we are is in constant movement. And if you do not release that energy through orgasm, then over time you can feel it build up. And if you, we, we did the Qigong practice at uh, the Sacred Circle last week for Sanctuary, and everybody there of 25 people, everybody said that they felt the magnetic push between their hands when we were doing these exercises, right? And that is, I think, the most tangible um, touch point that we have to evaluate our level of energy other than like, you know, we're just feeling like a lot of energy. But I've, I have noticed for sure that when I am really cultivating that energy, uh, as it's talked about in the Taoist practices, that it's that that magnetic push between my hands gets stronger and stronger and stronger and I can I'm more sensitive and I can it's crazy how hard it can be just to push your hands together right and that energy god I'm like giving away some deep secrets here oh. but well, I mean it, this, this, these are yeah so but that energy then through our intention and focus can be transmuted and shared with others. And I have on many occasions seen immediate responses when, and I only, I just consider it praying for people when I have, you know, I've spent, there's been people, so many people that I've just spent hours and hours and hours just praying for them and just trying to send them healing energy and whatever it is you need. I don't know what you need, but here is energy that I'm filling with love and I'm sending it to you to do whatever needs to be done. The, 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 the energy is, is of consciousness. It knows where to go. I am just a vessel. And so... You've been sending it with your, like, your field, like... Yeah. From like you're sitting here and the person's sitting way over there, mm-hmm. or they may even be in another lo- mm-hmm. location. Or they may be three feet away or whatever. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't touch people when they're tripping. I ain't touching nobody. I don't want to disturb anybody. I don't want, I don't even want anybody to know that I'm meditating on them or, or praying for them or whatever you want to call it. You know, I just mm-hmm. want them to be completely in their experience. They don't. They don't need to know. I know that this is pure intended love, and and I don't know what you need to heal. All I know is that I can be a vessel and a channel for healing energy, and I know that one of the most powerful ways to accumulate that energy is through not releasing it. Is through maintaining it in your system. So, uh, so let me just finish that real okay. quick. So, building that energy going into a session for three days at minimum um, creates powerful, powerful um, force that can be utilized for healing. And then after the session, to again hold that energy not release it through orgasm in particularly, allows it to really sink into you and, and, and 
and become a deep part of your being and just kind of like completes the process, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But it's all about serotonin receptors. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say? Sorry. Uh, well, I was going to say that like Melody, just take that and replay that to your husband, maybe. I mean, like that seems like such a, like finding a, like a, a conduit, like a, a container for channeling that energy that he's experiencing. Maybe he just, it would be helpful That's for so him good. to have a context of what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe he thinks like, because of lack of exposure and That's information so that I got to like put it here yeah, right yeah, now yeah. and yeah. maybe not. I mean, not. That's, you can do other things with That's it. very wise. I'm really grateful that you said that and you brought it back to that because that, just my heart says yes. Yeah, it's we've been we're we're taught that having a powerful libido is a problem. I mean, and you know, like people want to talk about sex addiction and you know all this. And you're too horny or la 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 la. And the truth of the matter is, is the higher your sex drive is, then the more potential you have to heal to share that energy with others in a non-sexual way and you can you know that doesn't mean that you're going to be celibate i mean you know we have lots of good love making um but i choose to as much as i possibly can i choose to maintain that energy and and try to do other things with it in the world. And as I do that, I'm less obsessed or less, you know, frustrated around not having sex because I'm doing something with that energy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. God, it is it is just think just think about it like water or like air, right? Air fills a balloon, but you can't see the air. And energy is the same way, right? A battery holds a charge, but you don't see the charge. A magnet holds the the energy, but you don't see that. And we are that. And what we give our attention to is where we are where we are putting that precious energy. And not to harp on it, but just because it's such a thing, the 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 objectification, the the culture of porn. It is a vampire. It is sucking the life force out of people. And, you know, as I I contemplate what's next for me in life, I just, I continue to come back to this subject being one of the most powerful for us to really take in as a culture and take in and apply into our lives so we can have healthier families, happier lives, healthier bodies and just 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 more fulfilled existence fulfillment is not self gratification fulfillment is helping other people and so yeah melody your husband can absolutely i'm so glad you said that you know to bring it back to that he can absolutely take that powerful wonderful energy the energy that he has and transmute it and if you got like immediately how to do that you said that he has uh, a lot of sensations of love. He feels a lot of love in the mushroom space. 
just keep coming back to that love. You know, I have, while I don't really get into the chakra thing that much, just because it just, uh, my brain doesn't work well with it. I think all the yoga moms, you know, <laughs> sorry, sorry, yoga moms. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the yoga moms, but the, uh, the flaky yoga teachers, you know, they're like, oh, your chakra's out of line. That shit's real. I get it. It's real. I'm not discrediting it. I, I, I don't love, it's just like psychedelics when people turn it into a pop culture thing and it doesn't feel like there's a real substance to it. What I have been able to understand and experience deeply is what the, the Taoists call the Dantian. You have these three Dantian, you have your, your lower Dantian, your sexual center, your heart mid and mid and in your head and I can actually feel those when I get that magnetic push going I can feel these locations and so what I would suggest first off to your husband is to bring his awareness and his intention into his heart and just allow that love to radiate out you can pull that energy if you are constantly in a state of sexual arousal then there is tangible, quantifiable energy that is down there. And you can, with intention, with breath, with attention, bring it up into your heart and radiate that out into the world. Yeah, that's so powerful. So powerful. I mean, and even in general, like with emotions, mm -hmm. um, that's such a powerful thing to come back to is like, channeling that sensation like like i don't know like back into the heart and like filtering it that way like bringing it back to the heart and giving it like with love mm -hmm. to the world like purifying it putting it back out there to people is really powerful just like thinking of there was a couple days in this past week or so where I just had rough days and frustration energy that I didn't quite understand where it was coming from. And it wasn't really until I finally went to a Hatha yoga class that I was able to like move it. Mm -hmm. and give it back to the world and mm -hmm. the the teacher of the class the non flaky yoga teacher <laughs> she was great all kinds of hate mail from <laughs> yeah <people> out <laughs> yeah i'm sure you weren't insinuating all yoga teachers are flaky no there's <laughs> definitely some flaky yoga teachers out there that all kinds of flaky there's people all kinds of flaky so people. yeah she just kept encouraging us throughout the hour to uh, as we're channeling energy and experiencing it moving just like giving it back mm -hmm. to the earth giving it back to the people of earth mm -hmm. and our families and mm -hmm. like mm, whew, that helped me so much i came out of that class and mm -hmm. i just felt cleansed and clear yeah. and then i bought an online yoga subscription that i still haven't used yet <laughs> And you felt, you felt different as well. I felt so different. That's so just in general. It's what I was actually just working on before we started recording this podcast was um, talking about in the minister training, some of the uh, assessments looking through and how, you know, any any energy, energy, anything we encounter, like you encounter a dark negative energy or an evil energy or whatever you want to call it in the trip space, it can all be transmuted. It can all be transformed with unconditional love. And 
<clears throat> the more I understand that for myself and apply that to myself, then yeah, the more I'm able to share it with other people and I want to share it and I feel like I can like be in more challenging situations and just smile into it and transmute it. And I know that the longer I maintain my energy, that the more resilience I have in those scenarios and the more capability I have to absorb love and transmute it. So, wow, Melody, thank you so much for this question. It has really opened me up into a conversation that I've been wanting to talk about a, a little more in depth uh, and hopefully it's provided some value to those of you who are listening. Again, I know we know this is a pretty sensitive topic and there are some that won't touch it, but that's why we're here. Yeah, this gives a little bit more juiciness to Valentine's Day yeah. time. Yeah. Instead of just focusing on the box of chocolates and flowers to give to the person you love in your life, you could also give them a non orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as as you get as you get into higher uh, levels and practice with this, then you actually learn that you can take that energy and consolidate it within yourself. You can generate that energy through sexuality, and instead of releasing it, you can, you know, kind of deepen it into yourself. And then after you get to a certain point where it's ready really to move uh, but we we live in a we live in a world where we're kind of always being enticed to deplete ourselves of energy watch and spending hours and hours watching tv or uh, like just like just realize whatever we give our attention to we're giving energy to and with that i would like to say thank you so much for giving energy to us we're going to take that and we're going to do our best to transmute that and turn that into a loving, productive, community-building energy, creating a better world. Yeah, I hope you really enjoyed this podcast. If you made it all the way to the end, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so, so much. I appreciate it. So. It, really is, it really is a privilege to be not just this podcast, I mean, everything that we're doing, you know, that call that I got off of last night after the first uh, myself minister training call last night had 28 or so people on it. It just was, God, my heart today has just been like so full of joy and excitement and really visioning what it is that we're building with with our energy and, you know, looking back on our lives together and seeing just how impactful our, you know, energy has been. I'm really, really grateful. And I'm really grateful that you have continued to stick by me through it all. Um, yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm envisioning continuing to put our energy towards our family and our community and just more of this. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. I love you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Bye-bye.